Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Polinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. And here we go. No muggles. No <laughs> muggles. <laughs> Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. Uh, another episode, another week. And um, once again, always excited to have the good man right in front of me, Daniel. What's going on, my man? Daniel Pawinski and myself here, uh, Eduardo. And before we started recording this, we sort of shifted a little bit on how we wanted to be more specific on the topic that we'll be embarking in for the next, I don't know, weeks to come, um, and that is alchemy. And so when we spoke about alchemy the first time, we did specify going into the seven steps uh, or the seven stages of alchemy, and we will cover that. Um, and we have a lot of material that we want to, you know, reveal to you, to the listener, and and amongst Daniel and, and I, you know, as we do these discussions before we record, we're kind of you know, covering what's most important, what's most relatable. And I think before we just jump right into that, it's important to really identify spiritual alchemy and what it really entails and why we're going to go into um, spiritual alchemy, you know, because there's obviously the idea of alchemy within the physical and the mental, but the spiritual is something that needs to be understood before we even go through the seven stages of alchemy so we know why we're trying to unfold these layers or why we must go through such an arduous process um, as the the first of the seven will tell you what calcination will be. But one of the things that Daniel said that sort of resonated with me um, that I hope we get out of this podcast today or this episode is separating um, the dross and separating the physical, separating um, the inner from the outer and, and figuring out why, um, it's most important to understand the spiritual journey of, of the spiritual, um, concept of alchemy. Um, so that's too many ums for me. So that probably means it's time for me to push it over onto Daniel. So Daniel, let's just go ahead and, and, and start with there, start with the spiritual alchemy and it's, it's real definition. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. No, I think you did a great job of kind of bringing up because you know it is alchemy is going to be something that happens on all the levels okay so it happens on the physical it happens on the mental um and it happens on the spiritual right and then you know as we even graduate um through maybe the next life we might even participate in the like the angelic realms and the even higher realms right but the where we're going to do it and that's the highest perspective that we can approach this subject from being incarnated in this five sense construct is through the spiritual aspect so we are going to uh, because we are we're going to kind of approach those seven steps of alchemy in the in these next coming episodes but we are going to approach it from the spiritual alchemy um alchemist perspective and that's the highest perspective so so of course you have physical alchemy which is dealing with like physical transmutation and mm -hmm. this is important because when you actually learn the physical approach it kind of helps you in the process of the mental and the spiritual because you can kind of see what experiments they were doing to make this trans transmutation happen right. right and that's why when we're when we're going to be kind of breaking down these seven steps in these kind of coming seven weeks it's going to be really cool because we, we are going to kind of get into what the physical aspect is right? right um but studying the physical so we can understand the mental and most importantly the spiritual so physical alchemy is just kind of what it sounds like it's the physical transmutation transmutation of lead into gold it's kind of the evolution of our all life and then Mental alchemy, that really kind of deals with with manifestation. So mental alchemy is very important, and that's going to be something that a lot of the students who listen to this podcast and all of our fellow students kind of know, and that's kind of how you attract the, the events into your life and how you kind of um, push away the events you don't want to come into your life. And that's a very important aspect of alchemy, and we will kind of study mental alchemy in the future, but are really 
biggest aspect that we're going to be studying because not only is it the most important aspect in alchemy, but it's what we need the most in kind of the aggregate of society right now is the spiritual alchemy. And this is going to be the highest aspect of alchemy we can do in our in our current incarnation. Right. And, um, you know, what's kind of nice about this is this is kind of taking the classical wizard and witch approach, hmm. um, taking magic and taking this occult knowledge beyond just manifestation. Okay, because manifestation is important. We are creators, so we have this ability. But really, we're going to take it from a different viewpoint, and it's kind of a higher perspective. And so what the spiritual alchemist is kind of concerned with is it kind of has this understanding that all life and all of its experiences within life must be considered and studied from the interplay, the interplane of realities. So that's being said, really the spiritual alchemist is going to kind of look at every event and every experience and really kind of weigh it, what is its effect on the soul? What is its effect on my soul and my own spiritual transformation? Okay, so what they're going to do is a spiritual alchemist really identifies that, you know, everything in in our environment um, is a vibration. That includes experiences. So not only the material objects that we see are vibration, but our thoughts are vibration, our emotions are vibrations, and even our actions are vibrations. And that being said, the combination of everybody's actions together, that what we call experiences, those are also a vibration. So what the spiritual alchemist is trying to do is it's trying to kind of raise the intensity, raise the concentration and the observance of all experience into the plane of spiritual substance. So taking every experience that happens in the spiritual alchemist's life, raising the vibration of it to get the highest perspective of it, Mm. right? So just like we're going to be raising the vibration of the lead to try to make gold, they're going to do that in the kind of the same situations. And that's kind of what we're going to be kind of talking about right now. So really what the spiritual alchemist is going to do and what they're their laboratory is is the waking life and this like walking consciousness. And what they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to separate themselves from almost like an attachment to appearances. Right. Okay. And that's what's going to be really unique about spiritual alchemy because it really is going to um kind of look at life a little bit differently than even like what the mental alchemist would look at. Okay. So this is really the higher aspect. And so really what this is, the the spiritual alchemist is trying to do is it's really trying to kind of break all of the experiences of life up into the seven metals um, and really kind of find those metals and those purified metals in every situation. So it's really the searching purification and transmutation of the metals that we know of the alchemist gold. But what they're trying to say is every experience to the spiritual alchemist is made up of two parts, the real metal and the dross. Okay. And this is what we're dealing with. So one of the main things that we kind of wanted to cover is what is dross? Like, what is this dross? What is this aspect that we talk about? Because alchemists are going to talk about it and it's going to be very important in the first four steps of alchemy is that dross, right? Um, So we really kind of have to define it just like when we went back and in that episode on the Emerald Tablet we really kind of broke down, like, yeah, we went through the Emerald Tablet, but the main aspect of that was kind of breaking down what is the one thing, right? What is this one thing that you're working with? And that's really what we were kind of defining. And in the episode on natural law, we really kind of looked at what is mentalism? What is that one mind, right? So what we're kind of looking at now is really kind of breaking down so we get a better understanding of it. Um, what is this dross? What is this 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 aspect that you try to burn away in those first couple stages, or you either burn away or you wash away with water or you separate with air. But what is this What is this appearance? What is this aspect that we call the dross? And again, when you kind of read about alchemy, you can read about it as um, many kind of separate things. Mm-hmm. But really what we're going to kind of look at is kind of defining what they are, um, surface and even deeper. But again, the alchemists really kind of thought it was possible that in each experience, you had the ability to separate the dross from the actual metal, from those alchemical metals. And that's what we're kind of looking for. So in every experience, there's going to be a lot of dross, there's going to be a lot of distraction, there's going to be a lot of external effects. And it's the spiritual alchemist's 
job or you can say their mission to kind of filter through that whole experience and find the little specks of the pure metal of experience, right? So finding those pure aspects of lead, right. finding those pure aspects of copper, finding the cure, you know, of even the um, the mercury, right? And kind of going through life and really seeing where these metals are. And those are the metals that we're going to collect. And they might have to go through some kind of purification and they might have to go through some transmutation, but this is the currency that we're going to collect that's going to help us make that alchemical gold. Wow. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, so the idea being that, you know, um, it's always possible in every experience because every experience is made up of two parts. So you have the real metal, and then that's, that's the nourishment for the soul. That's really what the universe is trying to alert you to, okay? And then you have the dross, and that is the distraction. That is kind of like the physical world. That's the external effects. Um, we'll kind of get into a little bit more definition. But in every experience, everything that we participate in life, there is two parts. And there's that real metal and the dross. And the dross is going to be easier to identify. It's going to be easier. It's going to be easier to find. It's going, your life is going to be easier if you live within the dross. But the problem is, is once you start going through calcination, whether that's by your own imposed calcination or the calcination that is brought on by nature, so you go on the journey, all that dross is going to burn away, right? It's not real. It's just this like external, it's this external substance that's never going to hold up to the fires of calcination or the waters of dissolution, right? Right. So this is kind of like, our material attachments, right? This is the idea of like, oh, I'm, I'm in this career, and even though it doesn't do anything for me, um, I've got this beautiful house and this great car. Well, you know, the house is going to decay. You're not going to be able to take this house when you pass on. You know, your car is going to break down. Like all this aspect, and this is kind of the same aspect. And like, oh, I'm not in love with my partner, but man, they're beautiful, and I get the odds of everybody else. Well the odds of everybody else isn't going to sustain you into old age, right? right. When, when the body starts to reject, when the soul starts to reject that body and it's really starting to decompose, um, your odds and your attention that you got from your partner um, isn't going to hold up. It's not going to hold up to those, uh, those fires of calcination, right? So um, really what we're trying to do is just in each experience, we're really trying to separate the dross and from the metal and a, collect that metal. Um, and it is possible. It's uh, it's possible to either collect um, one and entirely neglect the other. So what we really want to do as spiritual alchemists is collect the metal and discard the dross, but like kind of due to indoctrination, indoctrination and the spiritual calcination that we've kind of gone through, we tend to, as a culture, discard the metal of experience, which is the nourishment of our soul, and just work with the dross. So again, the real value is in the metal of the experience. And if you need to kind of think about the metals, we're going to really talk about the metals in the seven stages of alchemy, because we'll look at the seven metals. But go back to the episodes on the planets. When we did the episode of Saturn, that's going to be lead, right? Jupiter's going to be tin, Mm -hmm. and you're going to kind of make your way down, and the sun's going to be gold, the moon's going to be silver. And those archetypes it's the law of correspondence. Those same archetypes that we talked about in those episodes are the same archetypes that we're going to see in these alchemical metals, right? And this is the same thing when we were talking about completing the Zodiac. What was that all about? It's about getting all those archetypes of life in the order together and right. kind of completing that picture. And and how you complete that picture is by obtaining this pure metal. Is, is that kind of resonating with you? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, we live in a world that uh, as you were just talking about the indoctrination, but we definitely live in a world that we witness that all the time, which is the dross. So the dross is something that we'll definitely like pursue within, um, you know, the idea of the ego. And we'll get into the ego and like surrendering to, uh, you know, the ego away during calcination or the process of calcination. But before you can even do that, you have to identify what that is, what, yeah. what the dross is. And it's really hard to do. I mean, you have your, uh, your true, uh, intention as to why you're putting yourself somewhere or doing something uh, in the physical world. And then you have the intention of the world around that, that surrounds the intention by its dross. And so like you're competing with people who their eyes really are fixed, fixated on the physical. So if you start delivering what the eyes that, um, 
are basically close to truth want to see, then you, you'll find yourself sort of deteriorating from the in out. So you'll start re- realizing, well, why would I even start this career path in the first place um, if it's not bringing me fulfillment? Well, the fulfillment is what you should always pursue, which is that metal you're talking about, yeah. that real inner like drive is what should keep you on the road. But it's really hard though, again, because like for you to compete, say like in the marketplace, that is that dross. And so you're like, okay, well, I have something here that is pure that's coming from me um, for my inner self. And I want to be able to help others reach that. It's very difficult because you have to go through these thick layers of just like basically bullshit that mm-hmm. aren't really real, but people have to go through it anyways to find out that it's not real because it looks real. Cause it is physical. So it's like, Oh, that is a house. That is a car. That is a nice, you know, um, place to call home. But at the end of the day, when your physical body is set enough, it's very hard for you to like bring that all into the hospital bedroom with you. And you're like, I need it right. You know, it's like you want, what you really want is internally having, if you want to collect anything that is while you're here, it's collecting that, Mm -hmm. collecting that inner, like the, the, the purification of each experience that you actually had along the way and, and the victories of saying no to something that didn't serve you and saying yes to that, that didn't seem to be, um, surrounding that sort of material reward, um, which is so hard to do, you know, but that's just the world we, we definitely live in right now. We, we chase after those things that are empty at times, but, um, yeah, so I, I do, I agree that, what you're saying with regards to spiritual alchemy and going a little deeper into the definition of it is important to sort of like wrap your head around before you even start the seven steps. Um, so, uh, yeah, go on, man. Yeah, no, I think it's right, man. Cause we have to see the port that we're embarking from, you know? And I, I think that was the thing. Cause it's kind of funny today was, this was not the plan. This was kind of the most impromptu podcast that we've ever had. Because, right, right. You know, usually we might call like an audible a couple days before it, but we usually have like a deep conversation about it and we decided, but today it was just like I showed up and we started talking and we're like, hey, maybe maybe we're jumping into this calcination too quickly and maybe we do need to kind of cover this spiritual alchemy aspect. But, you know, I, I really kind of want to bring up to just what you kind of brought up, the idea of feeling empty. And again, this these metals, this is the nourishment for the soul. So when you divorce yourself from these metals and you just deal with the dross, you are starving your soul. So just like you're starving in physical life when you don't put any nourishment into your stomach, the same thing happens on the spiritual realm and even the mental realm, right? right. You have to provide nourishment to sustain those systems and to sustain that life force, right? That is just the um, law of thermodynamics. You have to provide that energy, right? So... Um, so that's kind of what we're we're kind of looking at is this, you know, this starving soul. And that's what we have that starving soul when we just identify with the dross and we're not really taking that true metal of that experience. Um, because the real value is in the metal of that experience. So the dross, although it might be physically pretty or it might be an indicator of material success, is unable to kind of hold up with that heat of life. So like you were saying, like when you're on your hospital bed and and your body's metabolizing itself away and your, your soul's getting ready to pass on, you can't take any of this dross. You can't take any of these material things. You can't take any of these glamour relationships, right? Now, if you actually love your partner, you will take that purified metal of Venus into the next life. Like you will take that with you. That's a currency that can come with you. You know, if you take that that purified lead of discipline, that's going to come with you in whatever comes next, whether it's human reincarnation or it's just reincarnation on a higher aspect or a higher realm, right? We do know that energy just doesn't dissipate. So we know that the energy goes somewhere. Um, And we'll kind of get into that because we did, we promised that reincarnation episode forever ago. So maybe we'll (laughs) do that um, in between the alchemy one day, because that would be a great conversation. And that will kind of help you understand why it's so important to collect the spiritual currency because most of these most of the aspects of ourselves are going to stay here when we talk about the physical but mm. but the character the evolution of the soul and these experiences and what you learn from these experiences and what you collect from these experiences these can actually come with you and this is what the alchemist's goal was all about right? Because the alchemist didn't want to have to learn all again. It wants to be able to take the lessons of this life and use this to be on a better starting path in whatever comes next, wherever we wake up again, right? right? And that's where the aspect is really kind of looking at. And also this 
this this dross is not going to the pretty things and these indicators of material success. They're not going to hold up to calcination. And calcination is either going to come voluntary, which is going to be something that we're all going to kind of go on that embarkment together. Um because um, we're going to kind of go through those process and just you hearing about alchemy and the process of calcination is going to kind of help you. It's going to push you to kind of motivate to burn away some of the dross in your life, but also from natural calcination, right? We were having the conversation just now about um, the natural calcination that like has been my experience these last couple of weeks. And it's just like, am I going to sit and kind of burn in this hell or am I going to let go of this dross and rise up in the flames, you know? So right. again, you know, you have this natural calcination cycles that are going to come. Um, and then you also have this voluntary calcination cycles that are going to come. But either way, the material, the attachment to appearances is always going to burn away. It's never going to survive. So the the spiritual alchemist is always going to be searching each experience of life as it kind of comes to them for just like this bead of the real metal okay and it's and it might not be huge and especially like the experiences that we're seeing now in the aggregate and in our society you really have to kind of do some mining and you really kind of have to do some searching to find those beads. And then in other experiences, you're going to find that metal and it's full and it's going to be in like bars. Right. And you, you know, this by like maybe spending time with like, um, but for me, it's like my niece and nephew, but for the individuals on here, maybe spending, uh, you know, time with your children, you're going to find those metals in like huge bars where you don't have right. to really dig through the dross. You're like, I know exactly what's happening here. When you're with loved ones, when you're with great friends, like that's why you like those experiences because you're collecting a bunch of metal from those experiences because it's really easy to find, right? Um, that's what kind of pulls you to that aspect. You know, that's what's really the, especially when you're on like a uh, an internal growth path of like, I want to kind of, you know, evolve my soul. You're going to kind of do that. Right. Cause that's what you're going to be kind of attracted to. Um, so again, we're looking for that bead of the real metal that is usually hidden amid the debris and the dross of external effects. So we're really kind of like a, um, a San Francisco, like a 49er, which was like a pan miner in California in the 1840s. And these were usually kind of low income people. So this isn't like going down into tunnels for mining for gold, right, but right. you'd call them pan miners and they would kind of sit on a stream and they would just kind of scoop up the mud. And then they would have this like sifting aspect, which is very interesting because that's kind of like the third stage of sifting through. And what it would be, it would be mostly mud in their pan. And what they would do is they would move the pan around to try to get the different sunlight and kind of shake off the water. And as they would do it, little specks of gold would appear and they would kind of slowly collect the gold. And this is kind of what that experience is kind of like, especially when you first get started. And it's really important when you actually like watch a miner do this, like one of these, what you call them 49ers, because it was year like 1849 is when they all kind of made their way to California. When they're doing this, they do, they move the pan to try to gain the sunlight and they they try to really kind of go slow and they kind of sift through it but those little pieces of that golden metal make themselves apparent and right. not only are we looking for the little pieces of gold we're looking for the little pieces of all the other seven the all the seven metals in every kind of experience that we do right but it's like the same kind of process it's just kind of finding the metals shine through and you're going to do that by kind of, you know, shifting them around and getting the light to reflect off those metals, right? Because if it's in the darkness, you're never going to see that reflection. Right. So this is, again, why we become enlightened, why we try to lighten up our life, why we choose the aspect of love, because that creates light and we're able to see the experience, we're able to see the patterns. So we're able to derive and obtain and mine that true metal. Yeah. Right? No, and that's awesome. I, I really like, and I love that we we shifted the the order of what we were going to do with the podcast, because again, once we go into the whole idea of the seven stages of alchemy to make a full circle here, uh, our intention has always been obviously to just sort of aid one another along this, this path that we're all on, but also be a little more specific with some of our own experiences that Daniel and I have had or people we know around us. And I think it's just a really special time right now, if I could add this in where more people are, demanding that metal that Daniel's talking about out of a situation rather than the the dross uh, that it comes with. Because I think before it would take years before you would realize, oh, I've just chased the wrong thing or participated in the rat race to get zero fulfillment of the soul. 
uh, it takes a long time. You know, I think you actually sadly had to go to the end of that road, which is many years spent on this physical realm uh, in a position to then see the other side and realize, oh, I was left with nothing. Like that relationship I thought I was cultivating for many years was really superficial because it really was only in, um, involved in, in trying to get an object out of it from both ends. So you and another person who've worked so long, so hard together, we're really just trying to gain something more on the physical than on the spiritual. And again, what's special right now, the time we're living in is that you can kind of sift through that a lot quicker than before because people have already had these experiences, if not in the past, or they're having them now where they're like, oh, I got what I wanted in reality and the physical, and it's just done nothing for me internally. And that's happening more and more, in my opinion, um, in like shorter intervals for, again, before it was a very elongated process where people were like, oh no, the corporate ladder is where it's at. I'll worry about my spiritual um, needs later when I'm an older man. Mm-hmm. And more people right now are like, well, I wonder what it's like to be the fill in the blank. And more people are able to attain that quicker and actually get to that fulfillment and then realize like, oh, like nothing is worth, you know, getting to the top if you're getting there alone and not sharing the view with someone else. Mm-hmm. So you got to go down a few steps, many, many steps to finally find someone who's willing to go up there with you hand in hand to see that view with you. But mm-hmm. if along the way you just dismissed a lot of people, like it's really hard. You're gonna have to keep going down way more flights of stairs to be like, can you come upstairs with me and find seeing the view? And it's like, no, remember when you're here on the eighth floor with me, you basically told me to mm-hmm. find another person to, to complain to and, now you're complaining to me that you need someone to see that view with you. Well, how the tables have turned. That person's like, ah, oh, damn it. So they go down another floor to the, and they might have to start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to we, that we start here with the spiritual uh, or the idea of the spiritual alchemy, because that's what this is all about. Even with and then occultism and all the things that have been defined on this podcast, once again, are just always there to aid us along the way of what's true and what what's false. But, you know, we're definitely born into a world of like, this dross being surround or surrounding us uh, entirely. So it's really hard to kind of like sift through that. So I really like that analogy of the 49er. Yeah. Right. No, it's, it's perfect. It's so funny. Like, um, cause I've seen the process and I've participated in the process. And then when you're kind of learning about alchemy and this finding the metals, you're like, Oh my gosh, they were physically doing that. And again, always nature is going to be our biggest teacher and is always trying to alert us into anything that we do in nature always has a deeper and a higher aspect. Um, and it's just kind of really, really kind of important. And I, and one thing that I, I think you brought up a really good point on is, is that dross that people used to be able to get attached to, I kind of think like that 2012 lifting of the veil and even like this great conjunction that we just went through is really calling out that dross. Like maybe like in the 1970s and the 80s, you could get caught up into that. For sure. But you're right, it doesn't feel as comfortable with people. And even the people now that you would think are really comfortable with it, you know, because we went to high school with a lot of those individuals, like you start talking to them and they're great individuals, but they did kind of take more of a physical material um, path. They're saying the same exact thing. They're like, it's not everything. You know, they might have amazing cars and these beautiful houses, but they're really curious to hear about what alchemy is or, you know, where I don't think in the seventies or the eighties, these like people with these like T-top convertibles would really even be an open ear to this. But I'm like finding that, People are interested in this and they're resonating with this because you're right. I think we're going through this alchemical evolution in ourselves and as a as a consciousness as a whole that this dross is not f- fulfilling stuff like it used to, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's an ebb and flow. I think we'll go through, you know, spots where it is and it isn't. But really, this this um, this this material effect and like this material aspect is really just kind of a is that veil that's kind of placed over what true reality is. And I think people are seeing that veil for what it is and seeing that that veil is not real. Right. 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 Well, I I like something that you brought up um, before we got to recording, we talked about this uh, and I don't want to get ahead here, but the injury of the soul and like how you allow that to happen. I really want you to go deep into that because I just feel like that's something that we should cover with what's happening with the times right now mm-hmm. and, and saying that I think more people find value in how they can fulfill um, I, I, or collect better moments for the soul 
um, while it's here than to collect the physical, um, the, the physical uh, on our path that doesn't really do anything but weigh us down. I think that like right now we're being really pulled left and right. And it's, it's important to see like how, what, what it takes to actually like internalize and, and protect the soul right. um, from something that you may just not be knowing you're allowing for it to uh, be poked around, you know, like, yeah, no, I think that's, that's great, man. And I think that's a, an awesome aspect to kind of look at because I do think when you look at the body and its connection with the soul and spirit, it's a really good example of what is the dross, which is the external aspects of life mm. and what is the true internal aspects of life. Right. So, so, you know, often we, we kind of think of ourselves to a great extent as the flesh and blood that we are, but in true reality, right? So again, in appearance, if we're attached to the appearance of reality, that's that's all we see. Like we see the flesh and the blood of somebody, like the bones and the blood and the, the flesh of somebody, right? But that's only, again, that's when we attach ourselves to the appearance. That's not the truth. Mm. So that's the external, that's the dross. So the dross really is the flesh and blood and the true metal and the true internal aspect is that we are soul and spirit, right? We just have this, this cloak or we have this um, almost this, this body outfit that we wear, right? But we know it's not forever, right? We know through the aspect of metabolism that our soul has attracted, uh, vibrated and attracted this body. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, our soul is going to vibrate and it's going to push away this body, right? It's going to be a transformation that we're going to go through. We're, we're not physically going to live in this um, flesh and blood make up our entire consciousness, right? right. Um, but when we really think about it, and we think about the soul, like we know we can't really put a start of when the soul started. Like it feels like whatever that internal voice that's within us and the the approaching of consciousness and how we handle consciousness, it feels older than our body. Right. And it feels like it's going to outlast the body. And that is true because the soul and the spirit is going to kind of outlast the body. So the soul and spirit almost kind of represent that internal aspect the the true metal and the the dross of the physical self is that flesh and the blood right so the spiritual alchemist operates from this internal realm of soul and spirit okay not saying that they reject the flesh and the body and they don't take care of it but they know the truth is in the soul and the spirit so everything that happens to them is comes from that perspective it's what is the effect of this experience on my soul okay so the dross is the external experience mm. and the true metal is the internal experience right so what is the effect of this experience on my soul and again it's um it's kind of like saying like um you know when we accept experiences as reality that's like saying that the only white light like light waves that are in this room right now are what we can see um and that's a mistaking the appearance for reality we know that there's ultraviolet we know that there's x-rays that we can't perceive with our instruments right but if we are attached to reality that's what we agree we're just like oh no this is it's the rainbow and that's all the colors that exist, right, right. which we know that's not the truth. So again, perceptions are only as good as how much they are aligned to truth. Okay. And when you accept appearance as reality, you get put yourself in the situation of collecting the dross rather than the metals. Mm. Okay. So again, this is why we're always trying to align our perception to truth. And that's why we're doing that whole journey. Um, and so to kind of come down to the body, and again, this is going to be a huge step um, that is going to be like, it might be a lot to even take on, but this is how a spiritual alchemist actually viewed pain. Okay. So we're not saying that we're at this stage yet. This is a, this is a pretty awesome Buddhist level Buddha Christ consciousness approach to pain, but as true spiritual alchemist, your, your classic wizards and witches are going to say that one person injuring another person is accepting appearances for reality. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm going to kind of repeat that because this is a very unique thing, but this is going to be very, very important for you to understand. One person injuring another person is accepting appearances for reality, for no one is injured except by their own permission. So somebody can torture your body, they can throw you in jail, they can put you in front of a firing squad, whatever it is, but it's only in your ignorance that you mistake the body for the real self. Right. Okay. They can only hurt your body, but that's, that's you attaching yourself to appearance, believing that your body is your real self. Okay. So the only way that they can actually hurt your soul 
Um, and the only way for the soul to be affected, which is the true self, is with consent, okay? When you actually allow them to hurt you, right? And this happens in any kind of experience. You have to allow somebody to hurt you. They can they can do whatever they want to your body. And, and you hear this in alchemists, like, you know, alchemists would go through these torture. They would sit in these chambers for and get starved for months at months at a time right. and they were holding their own they would never share the secrets and how could they how could they go through this process um it's because they understood that their true self was the soul and there is nothing that these individuals could ever do to their body that could ever affect their soul right. and this is so so important you know because um you know an event in itself has no power to affect the soul except through our attitude of the soul towards it. So if we accept the appearance that we are body and flesh, we are able to let somebody hurt us. But when we actually take that transitory step, that higher transformation, and that highest perspective, again, that we're all going to try to make our way to, and I'm not saying Eduardo and I are at this point yet where we can actually make this happen in our life, but from the spiritual alchemist perspective, you can't like you can separate they're like that's my body and like you can yeah if you want to torture my body if you want to do whatever it is that's fine that's not i am a soul my true self is my soul and right. my spirit and there's nothing you can ever do right and that that kind of game brings down to the um and i know we've broken down this word before but we're going to kind of do it again an insult right the only way an insult can ever actually affect you and you could take offense and it could actually hurt your soul is if you already have a self-inflicted wound, right? right? And we talk about that because an insult is putting a wound in salt. And right. you're the only one that can actually apply wounds to yourself. So that's why the word's called insult. So that's why when somebody gives you an insult, it burns. Right. Because you're putting that salt on your own self-inflicted wound. So the spiritual alchemist is working about taking away all those self-inflicted wounds because that's the only way we can feel pain. Nobody can actually make you feel pain, right? So like we're talking about this personal calcination, the stuff I'm going through, it's is because I have self-inflicted wounds that I'm putting salt on. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why I'm going through pain right now. And I have to transcend that. I have to go through this process. I natural alchemy is literally calling me into this calcination process to be like, you're not complete. Like we need you right. to keep taking steps. We need you to continue this journey. Um, and I'm so grateful for it. Right. Because I do need to become the person like I want to become. Um, but again, that, that wound has to be there. We have to open up. We have to allow somebody to cause us pain. Right. And I think that's that's so important. And this is why you stand for principles. And this is why there is stuff that's, you know, the truth is worth dying for because the truth is connected to your soul and spirit. Right. Right. Um, and it's everything. And that's what the spiritual alchemist is making their way through. And when they make it to that aspect, they are at peace, whatever's happening. Again, they're not going to let, you know, stuff happen in front of them that where other people are getting like physically hurt. Like you obviously step in. This doesn't say like disconnect from reality, but what it's saying is this, nobody can actually hurt you, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, unless you open that up and allow it. Right. 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 Yeah. That's like when a, when a child's innocence is taken away is once they learn something that, um, when they learn what can hurt them. So it's not what really can hurt them. It's like someone taught them, what will hurt them. And mm -hmm. so from there, from that day forward, you have decisions that are based off of um, plausible consequences. So you're mm -hmm. basically making decisions out of fear. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have fear-based decisions because they've been taught what will happen to their physical self if, um, if they don't follow a certain uh, guideline that's also made by the individual who believes that the dross is the higher and most important uh, thing to to acquire or at least participate within uh, this realm. And so, yeah, I mean, again, uh, if you insult a child's innocence, you, you'll notice it. You'll see, and I think people use the word like, you know, that child's been broken. Uh, it's because that's what it is, is that, you know, the child doesn't know better yet. And so the soul is actually um, insulted, like you're saying, uh, based on the fact that, someone a little older, a little more intelligent than them has just told them like, this is, this is like how I'm going to, to, to crush your spirit basically. Um, 
but as we get older, we we realize like, no, there's a way around that. It's like only I can let that happen. Um, I, I let it happen to me once, but I won't let it happen to me again. Mm-hmm. And it's important to keep that mindset because uh, people will try to do that, you know, right. and, and, and others that you will encounter will, will find ways to, to, you know, get past you, but sticks and stones, you know what I mean? Like people need to really like live yeah. by that as saying that like, Hey, look, man, it's just, I'm the only one who can really allow whether or not what you say, uh, or physically do to me actually hurt. Right. what's really within me um but yeah it's 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 a real shame when it does happen um yeah so anyways no you brought up a great point too about like breaking somebody um and you know that's exactly why most military boot camps are done in six weeks and not seven weeks oh right? yeah because they're it's literally breaking the person down and it's not that completion so then they kind of leave you in this this facade and they leave you in this aspect where you are going to only go to them for guidance because if they would take you to that seventh week of breaking you down and then completing you in that seventh week, which would be the alchemical process, you would come out of that a different level. Like, especially if they kind of taught you why they're kind of putting you through this process. But again, they kind of give you naivete and they lead you in the dark and they kind of just leave you in the dark. And that's again, why so many people in the military have, you know, like post-traumatic stress, even if it's not being in combat or something, they still kind of post-traumatic traits because they don't go through that process. Like if we really lived in a society, we could take those individuals. And again, we don't have to be as aggressive as we are, but if we took them through that seven stages and took them through this alchemical thing, we could transform so many young individuals into this like amazing force of good and force of love. But again, that's not the goal of the military right now. It's the, it's that complete opposite, you know? So I think that's a, a great way to kind of look at that and kind of correlate that aspect to that childhood innocence and that idea of like breaking somebody to where they kind of give in and allow pain to happen to their soul or they get disconnected from that and they start, you know, uh, uh, attaching to the appearance of the reality that the, the idea that they think they're body and flesh and kind of losing that aspect of that childhood energy. Cause children do know that they have a soul and they might not be able to put the words to it, but they, they kind of see through a lot of stuff like, you know, just like, even like, oh, dad, you're going to work again? And dad's like, oh, yeah, I go to work every day. And their, their kid's like, lame. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, again, man, like, one of the thing that the spiritual alchemist is all about is an event in itself has no power to affect the soul except through our attitude towards it. And that's that's huge. That's what free will is actually all mm. about. Like we can't control all the events that happen in the world. Um, it doesn't matter if you're the greatest magician in the world, you can't change the seasons or you can't stop the sun, right? There's aspects that are natural progressions and there's stuff that nature is trying to formulate and make happen. But what we do have free will on is decide how we react to events. And that's really what free will comes down to. How do I react to the experiences that are kind of presented to me? And the same event happening to two people can have drastically different effects on the inner self and the soul. And that's why it's so important that like in all events, it's not really what happens um, that affects us, but rather our mental attitude and our spiritual attitude and perspective towards those things. Okay. So we kind of talked about the idea of, you know, physical alchemy you would see somebody as inheriting or maybe like winning the lottery and maybe getting millions and millions of dollars as everybody sees that as a good thing. But a spiritual alchemist is like, whoa, like what's the effect on the soul? Is this person becoming more caring and sharing and helping their community with this money? Or are they kind of now not trusting anybody and are they kind of coming very selfish, jealous, and it's ruined all their family relationships? Then the spiritual alchemist would say, no, that was a terrible thing. Look what it did to your soul. It made you cold. It made you calcified. It made you turn away from love. So the spiritual alchemist is like, whatever the experience is, you can't tell from the physical or the mental aspect, did it make you love more? Or did it make you fear more? And that's where the spiritual alchemist stands of whether this was a good thing or not. And that's how they approach everything. And that's how we need to approach everything. Because again, you know, two people getting a million dollars could have two different drastic effects on their soul. And that's going to come down to the free will decisions. Well, what are you going to do with the experience of life? Are you going to spread love and light and share this experience and help consciousness expand? Or are you going to get selfish and fearful of everybody and kind of just stay away in your little play hide and seek and hope nobody finds you? Right. 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 You know what I mean? So 
Again, perception in regards to growth and nourishment of the soul is so important to the spiritual alchemist and having that highest perspective so you can kind of see these effects. Uh, because in every experience, the alchemist, the alchemical metal is present to provide the proper nutrition of the soul. It just depends if we're mining it and collecting it and how much are we collecting, right? And how much dross are we holding on to, which is going to have to be burnt off through calcination again, right. either through our own free will decisions to go through calcination or mother nature coming through and being like, oh no, like you're collecting a bunch of BS right now. I'm going to burn you up right pretty much exactly and then we find ourselves burning in our own hell again so these metals of each experience which um the metals are always going to be assimilated through the correct attitude and these are the key factors in consciousness um in our quality of consciousness and the development of our character so again, these metals that we kind of mine in each experience are assimilated through the correct attitude that we take. And this is going to be a key factor in our quality of consciousness and also um, our development of character. And our quality of consciousness and our development of character is what follows us after the grave. This is the currency that you take on. This is what we this is what we're going to bring on to the next life, whatever that entails. Um so it's often, you know, we only identify with the external things. It's only when we view the internal that we perceive the effect on character and increase the power of the soul through that nourishment. Right. Right. So again, it's, it's all about extracting the true essence of the experiment of this alchemical experience. And that's what's going to provide us really the proper and the correct nourishment of the soul. Um, and that's really kind of what we're kind of focusing on in this time and how important it is. And one of the other aspects of the spiritual alchemist is they're able to approach life more accepting for what nature provides, okay? Because the spiritual alchemist has a holistic, higher perspective. So he understands that every individual on the path has a it's his own his and hers own unique job to be performed for the evolution of consciousness mm -hmm. okay so they are accepting of the metals that nature provides and they're accepting of how much purification they have to go through and you might have to it might be a little harder for you to find certain metals than others but you know what it's probably easier for you to find certain metals than others as well and you might have to purify and really clean certain metals and go through other experiences and you might feel like you have to spend a little bit more time in calcination and you might feel like you're always kind of burning in your own hell or lost in your own dissolution but you have to accept the fact that Nature is the boss and it is growing you and grooming you for a unique opportunity that it needs to accomplishment. So consciousness evolves and we continue this evolution. So we can't compare ourselves to anybody else of like, oh, that person's life is easier and, and look at all the great things that they have and they have a partner and they have this and they have that and, you know, their family's all intact. Like that's great for them, but that's not you. Right. Right. And you need to accept this aspect and you need to come to terms with like, you know what, I, I might not be the best at this or, you know, I might have to, it might spend me a little bit time to find the copper of love or, you know, I might not be that optimistic Jupiter and it might have to, I might have to really search for that metal of optimism and I might be kind of feel like I'm negative. That's fine. Like you're, you need to collect all the metals and you're going to do that process, but you can't compare yourself to anybody else because you are being formulated for it its own specific job, there needs to be, in the great work, there is an infinite amount of workers, okay? And as we all accept the responsibilities of our lives and we actually conduct the work we need to do, consciousness evolves. A, 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 you know, a more unique, um, exact pattern is kind of put on top of the other pattern. And again, those patterns are going to be infinite and, comp and consciousness is always going to get more complex and it's going to have more flourishment that's going to happen. But that's only going to happen when we accept the idea that we can attach ourselves to the idea of, oh, but this is how this person does it and this is how I'm going to do it because they're doing their own work within the alchemical great work and you have to find out what yours is. And you can't be discouraged by maybe you think life is a little bit easier for other people because that's not what it's about. And maybe you need to go through these challenges. Maybe you need to go through this torment time because like the universe is, again, nature is trying to get you to the position it needs to do. Nature's not going to put pain 
on you that is unnecessary. Nature doesn't have time to do that, nor does nature have the consciousness to do that. It's only going to put pain on where you need to grow. And right. that's something we have to accept. And like, again, it's so much easier being said than done, right? So like, it kind of goes back to the idea of like, oh, the spiritual alchemist says like, nobody can hurt me. Well, that takes a, a lot of like, you know, that takes a lot of enlightenment. That takes a huge dedication to this path, but it's attainable, right? And you completing the work you were called to do is attainable. And I promise you, you might not get the physical things you want in life and you might not get all the aspects that you want, but if you obtain the great work and you do what you need to do on your final moments when you're passing on to the next life, you will feel the ultimate gratitude and the ultimate experience and the ultimate completeness and everything that were the challenges and everything else will make sense. Absolutely. And we just have to keep striving for that, right? Absolutely. Every selfless decision you ever made, every decision you knew that wasn't right within you know, that instinct or that soul um, will definitely come to to light in that, I think, those last moments. And yeah. I can say that just based on like working in, in, in a field that has had people at the end of life in hospice. I've worked uh, with a lot of people in, in that end of life, and that's really all they care about is like what they had to show for while right. they were here. And um, not by the physical sense, but by the spiritual, you know, and yeah. uh, and yeah, this is what this is all about, which is why we're going to go into the seven stages of alchemy. It's like why even go through such an intense process, even with the very beginning, which is calcination, right? Like known as the wake up call. And it's like no one likes a wake up call. Right. You know, like even if you're like, oh, I'm ready. It's like it's a stressful event when, you know, you got to, you know, answer the call and, 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 and you know, pick up the call. Um, it's never, it's never an easy task and it'll happen. I think as many times as it needs to, uh, while we're here. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I used to get in trouble when I was a little kid, if we ever stayed at a hotel, cause like I found out you could do wake up calls. So, like the first thing I would do is I would like run to the, to, like the telephone when we get the hotel and I would call the front desk for a wake up call. And I just thought it was so funny that we'd get this call at like five 30 in the morning. And my dad was always so pissed at me. That's was, hilarious. Yeah. Dude. So it's so funny. You were just preparing him call. for the wake up call. I was just like, come on, dad, let's wake up. Let's yeah. make this happen. Let's just get, um, let's get this going. Right. But no, I think that's beautiful, man. I love everything that we kind of talked about and this idea of, you know, going through this process of transformation, getting us in the right mindset to kind of approach this and um, really kind of start this alchemical process. And you're right. It's, it's a wake up call, but it's a wake up call to, you know, drop the dress so you don't have to burn in these flames. And that's right. going to be really important. So I'm really excited to kind of get into the process of calcination and you know, you were talking about the hospice and how important that is, like how people who made those selfless decisions and everything kind of came together and they really kind of had this peaceness. And there's other moments in life that this happens, you know, like one of the the coolest aspects I think I've had in my life is being able to, um, you know, conduct marriage ceremonies. And you see it in that moment, in the happiness of the, the couples, you see that like everything that they did good and everything that they did selfless in life collapse the wave for them to kind of be face to face with their soulmate. And it's like a really powerful thing um, being on that side of the marriage and like kind of seeing that energy and it's kind of coming together. Um, and it's just like this uh, amazing experience. And it's one of the, I've only had been able to do it a couple of times, but I always walk away. It was just like this, this, just this gratitude and this completeness just from, and I'm not even getting married. You know right. what I mean? But it's just like being a part of that energy. And that's like, I think why we love going to weddings. Um, so like, let's get that out there too. I can marry you and Eddie could do your videography at your wedding. So <laughs> you just let us know. We'll travel anywhere. But Eddie makes the most beautiful wedding voted videos. Um, and I can just spit something up and get you married. He doesn't just spit something up, actually. Now that you say like they're going to put me on the spot. But to, to add to what you said, though, uh, when I started doing wedding videos, it was completely out of uh, not just necessity, but I took the challenge on um, for a lot of my own reasons with within filming. But the main thing that I found myself uh, being able to navigate through uh, on a stressful day is whether or not the couple, when I first met them, were altruistic or were true to their reason for getting married, because then the rest just kind of fell into place as far as like pointing a lens and a camera and finding where the most authentic moments are that they themselves don't see, but I can see and the lens can see. And I record that event and then, you know, basically just give it back to them. And they're like, well, how did you? I'm like, no, you did this. Yeah. Like where you stood and where the light like hit both of your faces 
was something you guys did on your own. I just happened to be standing there. And that's how you are whenever I've seen you marry. I've, I've, I've bared witness to one of the times that Daniel definitely had the entire crowd speechless because much of like how he speaks on this podcast, imagine speaking about the true meaning behind love and its understanding um, between two individuals who are about to basically become one. And that's so important. We've really missed out on that. I understand that a lot of people have their indifferences with religion and what their cultural um, uh, influence might have on uh, the sanctity of marriage. But one thing we can all agree on is there's a one individual and another individual who are now about to embark on a path simultaneously. So why not like have a breakdown of why that is important and what it's going to bring uh, on the physical realm as well as the spiritual realm. And that's something that you do really, really well when you marry people. Cause again, after the wedding, good, the good thing is I know who Daniel is. Cause people were coming up to me going like, Hey, you see that guy that was, over? who's that guy? And I was like, Oh, that's Daniel. And they're like, Oh, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? And they would say like, well, I just never been to a wedding where I was just so intrigued for more, uh, you know, just to, to keep hearing him talk about it. So yes, Daniel will marry you and also make for you free. realize for free. <laughs> for free, you cheese and crackers. That's all. That's the only currency I need. <laughs> that's but yeah, funny, for man. free. Uh, any Know Thyself podcast listener, anytime. You can call me the night of. I married somebody on New Year's Eve. Um, I got a text message that morning. And they're like, hey, can you marry my friends? They're trying to get married before the new year. And I'm like, on it. And I married them at their house. That's it's like awesome. the coolest aspect. Yeah, I'll marry anybody. So that's the best. I'll even help pass your hamster on to the next, next life as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do funerals as well for little pets. But, uh, but yeah, guys, big, big thank you to everybody um, sharing the podcast. Uh, a huge thank you to all the patron members. So sorry. We, we're going to get some more stuff up there this whole new year and the, and everything happening in the world has kind of caused um, some distractions, but we were just talking about um, patron account. We're actually going to be breaking down the Lord of the Rings trilogy by mm -hmm. each movie. Um, again, all of this stuff will be available um, through like our library account and through the website, but we're going to kind of release it on the Patreon first. Um, but just a lot of cool, exciting stuff that we're kind of talking about. So we're really going to get a lot more, a lot more material onto that Patreon. Uh, but really, just we are so infinitely thankful for all the support. Um, like during the holidays, so many people got Know Thyself podcast T-shirts, and they were like unwrapping them and taking pictures with them, like. I don't think there's ever been a greater feeling than seeing that, right? No, that's awesome. That was the most amazing thing in the world. And they were all like really, really cool people who I'm like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't even like talk to you in public because I'd be like, oh, that's the coolest person in the world. And they were getting like Know Thyself t-shirts. So Absolutely. I was just like, man. So high five to all of you. Um, again, it's such an honor to be on this journey with you for the individuals that have been reaching out on the Instagram. And again, we're... Um, we're really trying to get more transparent and be able to communicate with you guys more. Um, and we've got some exciting stuff planned, you know, even with like video interviews, we're, we're finally going to get the interviewing the artist off the ground. We've been talking to this like awesome interior designer from Michigan, and she's going to kind of talk about how she kind of uses the esoteric in her aspect and anybody else. Um, we got to get the, the um, earthling granola guys on here to talk about their experience. Oh, and how right. They've used alchemy and the occult to start their own business. So really kind of just kind of trying to get a bunch of resources out and seeing how people have actually applied these principles um, in their lives. And again, you guys are just our best friends. Our best friends. No, mm -hmm. it's awesome to see this community grow, as Daniel was saying. And uh, yeah, we're just two guys literally just trying to share information that have either aid us in this chaotic time that we find ourselves in or have allowed us to... Um, pass through a, a difficult time with a little more ease by understanding, you know, what our purpose really is and understanding what a purpose even is, because I know some people just throw it out there and say, Hey, find your purpose and the rest will fall into place. But you got to understand what a purpose is in order to like pursue it. Right. And so I think that this community sort of shows a lot of those people in pursuit of something so much greater um, than just themselves. So thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, the videos. So the videos will be coming up. So one of the steps that we want to definitely do is is be a little more transparent, as Daniel just said, but also what I like that you brought up, um, the interview process. I think that we are going to find a way to do something where we can uh, at least I'll have like a, a, a video chat amongst ourselves or at least like with one of us um, and, and just get that um, bridge the gap a little more, I guess. Mm -hmm. So yeah. anyways, um, I think I'm done. I think I'm done just blabbering about it because 
I'll just keep going. But uh, with that being said, man, uh, until next time, and thank you again. Until next time. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Not only does it give us the energy we need, it also gives us an opportunity to make a positive environmental impact. Earthling Food Company originated from the simple truth that what is good for the body is good for the planet. They create delicious, plant-based food that lifts us up rather than weighs us down. That's right, you will never find preservatives, refined sugar, oil, animal products, gluten, or any other crap that is environmentally destructive. Only the good stuff. Would you like a hearty granola that is both delicious and healthy? What, what about uh, something with zero cholesterol or an alternative to scrambled eggs? Earthly Food Company has you covered. They are a brand new husband and wife startup, so check back regularly for new products. Greg and Jen have been listeners and supporters of the Know Thyself podcast since our very first episode. We first collected on a philosophical conversation and then through the conversation learned about this really exciting new project that they were creating, which is a organic, amazing granola that they want to share with all the listeners of our community. Artisan granola and seasoning make a great holiday gift. Visit earthlingfood.company. That's earthlingfood.company. Did you say earthlingfood.company? That's exactly what I said. To order online and use the discount code Know Thyself. That's one word, Know Thyself, for 15% off your purchase. They are also offering uh, free shipping on orders over $70. So, uh, you know, order online today. I would do it like right now. <laughs>